0: This is Out of Office for June 2016, professional development for distributed teams.
1: Welcome to the Out of Office podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hi, Gihan. How are you? I'm very well, Chris. i pleased to be back in Perth for a bit. I've been doing a little bit of travelling and been, been away, uh, travelling both overseas and interstate. So it's nice to be back here and I've got a few conferences um, in Perth, which is unusual, so that's really good. Yes, I, I think our
0: attentive listeners will realise that uh, we've missed an episode and uh, that's because you were away and I took a mini break. So uh, yeah, we're back on deck, back into schedule.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and as usual, we're talking about out-of-office work and particularly about professional development today. So if you've got out-of-office workers uh, in your team, uh, then how do you provide professional development for them? Because obviously, everyone in your team uh, expects and uh, demands in some cases opportunities for pro professional development and it's just as important for your out-of-office team members as it is for your in-office team members. The challenge is that because they're not in the office, it can be more difficult and you have to be more proactive and uh, put in more effort to actually provide that sort of professional development for your remote team members. Um, it's a little bit easier if they're part of a remote team because then their managers and leaders there will be uh, managing their professional development. But they, if they're individual telecommuters um, or even external workers of Freelancers, then it's a little bit more challenging. Um, but putting in the effort does give you benefits, but for uh, for yourself, your team, and of course for the out of office workers themselves. So when we're thinking about this topic of professional development, um, I think that it's the, the approach that you take to professional development depends on the work that. The, your attitude to out-of-office work in general and uh, as an analogy you can think of it like your approach to diversity for example ethnic or cultural diversity in society Uh, at one level you can tolerate it where we go okay we tolerate your differences but won't make any concessions to you so you're welcome to join in but you've got to play by our rules so that's kind of the lowest level of acceptance uh, in terms of diversity the next level is the integration level it's like the equal opportunity where we say okay you're different and that's unfair to you so we're going to change the rules to accommodate you so that everybody's equal again. And the third level is to embrace diversity. That's kind of like the idea of a multicultural society is where we say you're different and we're okay with that. And what's more, we can actually learn from those differences so that we'll all be better. And if you look at those three levels, none of them are actually bad, although the, the, the higher up you go, the better. But they just reflect the current attitude, of, if you like, the level of enlightenment that you have towards, uh, towards your out-of-office workers. And the point is this, that the professional development you offer to your out-of-office workers will depend on your attitude to out-of-office work in general and also your organization's attitude. And for example you might have motivated out of office workers who want to be who want to be treated at the embrace level so they they might say for example uh, let me do this online course and then I'll run a webinar where I'll present it to the rest of the team and that's great and then if you're also thinking at that level that's great but if you're only thinking at that that lower tolerate level then Maybe that request will even go over your head because you think, what that's a waste of time. We don't need that. Um, Why don't you just sit in your own little box in your home office and do the course for yourself? Um, So that's at one level. Or you might be okay with it because you're also thinking at that level, but you may not be able to get HR to approve it because it falls outside, you know, their standard regulations and guidelines for training courses because they're thinking at, say, the integrate level and they just want everyone to operate the same way. Or... You and HR might be okay with it, but other team members don't like it. They resent it because uh, they have to sit through boring training courses. And now here are these out-of-office workers who can do these online courses uh, at their own pace, at their own time. So... You've got to kind of manage these competing priorities and competing attitudes. Uh, In an ideal world, it's great if everybody's enlightened and and embraces the idea of -of out-of-office work and distributed teams, but of course, this isn't an ideal world. So you're going to make decisions about your professional development for your team members based on um, your attitude, your out-of-office team members' attitude, your other team members' attitudes, and the organization's attitude as well, towards out-of-office work first, and then... The professional development sits on top of that. So today we're going to go at those three levels. So we'll look at the tolerate, integrate and embrace areas and look at how you offer professional development depending on how um, where you operate in terms of -of out-of-office work. Okay. So let's start at the lowest level, tolerate.
0: Um, And apart from, say, neglecting and ignoring professional development altogether, it is sort of the entry level. And you're basically saying that the onus for professional development rests with your out-of-office worker. And you're simply shrugging your shoulders, absolving yourself of uh, any responsibility and say to the out-of-office worker, this is one of the trade-offs you get for all that flexibility that out-of-office work affords. So you can do professional development, but you have to do it on your own time and at your own expense. And that means that, the out-of-office worker is not going to get any access to the kind of kind of training and mentoring and coaching that comes with uh, being working in office, and so also their career is probably not going to advance as quickly um, or as far, or even at all, compared with uh, their in-office colleagues. Now, that might sound um, unfair or even brutal, but it is, in fact, what most um, externals and contractors uh, expect and experience when they're working um, for clients. So, it's not necessarily unfair. It just means that you're treating your out-of-office workers in the same category as external
1: staff when you're just tolerating professional development for them. So, I'm curious for you, Chris, in your career, like you've been doing out-of-office work for a long time now, um, do you think that when you first started doing that, that you were maybe treated at the tolerate level or have you always been working for a more enlightened uh, boss and organisation? Yes.
0: it's. I think it's evolved over time, Gihan, because um, I'm, I am an external as well as being an out-of-office worker. So, uh, I am in that category officially, but it doesn't mean that I've not had opportunities to professional development. So, the ability uh, – on the one hand, I've taken care of most of my own professional development. I've traded off my flexibility and gone to, gone to conferences and workshops and paid for it myself. But I have had a few um, training opportunities uh, from the people that I work for.
1: Okay. And I think that is something that uh, even at this lowest level, managers and leaders can offer a few concessions. So you, you still say uh, that the out-of-office work is responsible for their personal development, but you can make a little bit of effort to assist them. So for example, as you just said, Chris, you can offer your um, part-time telecommuters the chance to, when they're in the office, get training or mentoring or coaching or give them money to go to do courses or get an external coach or attend conferences. So you said you had to do a little bit of that out-of-pocket, but as a leader, you can also offer your out-of-office workers... um, Either to subsidise or to pay for it completely, um, and and as much as money, you can also give them time to do the same thing. So, time as part of their work time, if you like. But you know, there there is time allocated for that, and it's tolerated and, and accepted. Um, the other thing you can do is when you do visit them, if you visit them rather than them visiting you in the office, to make time for them. And this is very common when you've got sales forces and you've got sales teams where many of the salespeople um, are out of office and on the road. And sales managers, when they when they visit, they'll do a field trip with their salespeople. So actually make the time for those out-of-office workers so that they get a little bit of the the idea of getting professional development, even though they're not working in the office. But but still, even with all these concessions, the basic message that you're giving is still that it's really up to the out-of-office worker to do their own professional development, and anything else that they get is a privilege and a bonus rather than a right. Yeah. All right, so let's
0: improve on that a little, Gehan, by taking it up to the integrate level. So here, what you do is that you're proactively acting as a leader to make sure that your out-of-office team members get the same kind of access to professional development opportunities as the rest of your team. So, what you can do is make sure that it's the degree of opportunity for all of your team members, regardless of their roles and regardless of their location, um, that they get opportunities for professional development and you're acting to make sure that that happens rather than leaving it to your out-of-office workers to get on with it themselves. And you can also consider extending this to external members of your team. So if you've got freelancers or contractors working in your team, you can also think about making professional development opportunities available to them as well. In these cases, you're generally going to have to be a bit more inventive and work a little harder because most organisations are not going to, as part of their guidelines, they're definitely not going to be um, making professional development available to external staff. So you just have to be, you have to be a bit more thoughtful and inventive in coming up with professional opportunities for them. Uh, but it's really important because it's a great way of building a strong and long-lasting relationship with your external workers. They're really going to value it um, and it's going to have benefits for you and your team as well. So we're talking about um, offering equal opportunities to your out-of-office workers for professional development, but not necessarily the same opportunities that you're going to be offering to team members who are based in the office. And that's by virtue of the fact that your out-of-office workers are going to be remote from you. So for example, if you're based in a team that's in head office, you've got some of your team around you and some of your team are working remotely, then those team members who are working in office, they're going to receive in-house training, mentoring and some opportunities for promotion, just as a matter of course by virtue of the fact that they're working in head office. So the thing to be aware of is that your out-of-office workers might be missing out. Work hard to come up with ways to level the playing field and offer similar levels of professional development opportunity to the members of your team who are working in other offices or working remotely from you.
1: Yeah, exa- exactly, exactly right, Chris. And uh, and as you say, that the key word is equal, not same. So you're going to look at other ways that you can provide equivalent professional development opportunities. For example, with training, I mean the obvious thing is to do online learning. So uh, your out of office workers have access to online learning, whereas your in office workers might be going to training courses. Um, and many organisations uh, are now moving towards online learning for all their for all their employees. So if you work in one of those organizations, then you've probably already got in-house material available on uh, on your internal intranet. So that might be available to your out-of-office workers as well. But if not, uh, look for external online courses. In fact, ask your out-of-office workers to look for the external training that might be valuable to them. Um, and also keep in mind that many of your out-of-office workers, even if they can't attend training courses with the rest of your team, they might still be able to attend other training courses wherever they live. So there might be in-person training courses that work for them as well. The Another area which is growing is the idea of mentoring. So uh, employees are now expecting their, their leaders and managers to be mentors, not just bosses uh, and managers. Um, but they're also looking for other mentoring opportunities. And this is definitely something that can be done remotely. So with your out-of-office workers, you can use them. Um, Text messaging, you can use phone, you can use video. In fact, sometimes this can be more effective. Um, as a small example, Chris, so I'm helping uh, my partner Nikki's daughter, Abby, who's doing Year 12 maths at the moment. So I help her with her maths study. And while I was travelling recently... Um, because I was away for almost three weeks uh, and it was leading up to exams, we agreed to set up a couple of Skype calls. So a couple of times when I was away, uh, we set up Skype video calls and uh, Abby would be working there. She'd be holding up her um, uh, papers in front of the video screen and I'd be doing the same and it actually turned out to be quite effective because we were really focused we looked at the very specific things that we were uh, working on Abby was really prepared for the Skype session and in some ways it was more effective than when I was sitting down with her um, at the table working through problems so it can be more effective to do it remotely because people are just as they are with online meetings uh, more efficient when they're when they're doing work remotely so remote mentoring can work really really well. Virtual reality is one thing that's going to enhance it in the future uh, as well. So we, that's not there yet. But again, you can imagine mentoring happening where you're sitting, it looks like you're sitting in a room with your mentor, just as, a, just as if you actually were sitting in your room with a mentor. Um, The other thing with mentoring is that you can consider opportunities for your out-of-office workers to find mentors locally. So wherever they are, there might be business mentors available. Their professional association might might have some sort of mentoring program in place. They may set up or join a mastermind group, which is peer mentoring. So some of those opportunities are available if you're willing to think creatively. The other thing that's really interesting in terms of professional development is this idea called shadowing, Uh, and that's the idea that uh, the more junior person follows the more senior person around. So it's mentoring, but mentoring in place, and that's much more difficult to do with out-of-office workers because they're not in the same office, they can't attend the same meetings, they can't get in the car and drive to to see a client and get debriefed on the way back. So you've got to look for other opportunities where, where that can happen if you want to provide shadowing for your out-of-office team members. Um, For example, if you have teleconference calls or online meetings, that's easy because you can ask your um, team member to attend those meetings as well, even if all they do is they sit and listen, but they can't attend your in-person meetings. So maybe you have to make time before the meeting to brief them on what you're going to talk about and then have a quick five-minute call with them afterwards to talk about what was discussed at the meeting, just so they stay in the loop because they can't be there for the in-person meetings. Another thing you can do for your out-of-office workers is championing. Uh, and this is not direct uh, professional development, but it helps advance the their career path, which is where you uh, speak up on behalf of your uh, team members. And, and again, you can champion your in-office team members in natural ways. For example, you can ask them to present at a meeting where you would normally be presenting, but you give them the chance to showcase their expertise in front of your peers. And again, that's not necessarily easy to do with your out-of-office workers, but look for opportunities to do that. And again, you can do that with online presentations. Uh, and when you can't, then you may have to work harder and more proactively to champion them and, and really um, talk up, uh, you're almost their agent because they're not there in person for uh, to prove themselves. So um, overall, there are ways that you can provide professional development opportunities. You just have to be a little bit more proactive about it.
0: Yeah, indeed. And all of these professional development opportunities you've described, Gihan, help your out-of-office worker, your team members, move along their career path or progress along their career path. But one of the mistakes that you can make with your out-of-office team members is to assume that they've chosen that particular work style and... Um, in preference to everything else, that they're happy to, they're content to sacrifice career advancement, for instance, uh, so that they can get the flexibility and work style that comes with choosing out-of-office work. So. Don't just assume that. The mistake is to assume that that's, uh, that, that choice uh, overrides that their career path um, and their career advancement. So make sure that you have a clear understanding of your individual team members' careers goals and their professional interests. They might not necessarily be compatible with their current work style, but that doesn't mean that that's going to be the case indefinitely. So, for example, you, in, in many organisations, it's a requirement that managers work in the office for whatever reason. Uh, We've argued against that in the past, but that tends to be the prevailing way that management is done. If you've got an out-of-office worker, don't assume that they just have no interest in taking on managerial roles uh, because they've chosen uh, a work style that's incompatible incompatible with it for your particular organisation. So make sure that you understand what career goals they actually have, it might be the case that an out-of-office worker is prepared to sacrifice some of their work style, some of the flexibility of of out-of-office work in order to pursue something like management. They might be prepared to be, say, a semi-commuter. They might come into the office a couple of days a week in order to fulfil the requirement that um, they do some management in office.
1: Yeah, I think this is a really important point you're making, Chris, because... Probably in the past, uh, many of the people who were working out of office did realize that they were sacrificing some of their career path and uh, the management ladder in order to have their flexibility working from home. But as the the workplace changes and more and more people are working in distributed teams and that's going to become the norm rather than the exception, people are going to expect that, yeah, this is just what I do, where I work has no relation and bears no relation to what I want to do and where my career is going. Uh, It probably has in the past where people would say okay there's a trade-off I'm happy to be a worker bee for a long time um, but now they, they take it as uh, take take for granted that out of office work is just the, just the way that they work uh, and it's, it should have no bearing on how their career progresses yeah that's right so Let's take it up to the final level, Gihan, or the the
0: top level, and that is where um, you embrace your out-of-office workers and their professional development opportunities. And it's it's the it-takes-all-sorts approach where you don't think of -of out-of-office work style as something that you just have to put up with and tolerate. Um, It's not a disadvantage. It's something that we can all embrace and learn from and benefit from. So we're talking about career paths before um, and we're saying, look, get to know what are the career ambitions of your team members and your out-of-office workers in particular um, because it could be. It could be the the flip side of what we were just describing. It could be that your out-of-office worker Um, chooses lifestyle over work style, that it does matter to them uh, that their work style is out of office compared with opportunities for promotion and they are happy to work out of office forever indefinitely but they will probably still want some kind of reward or recognition for their long service and for the experience that they've gained along the way. And also, back when you and I started working out of office gear, and it really was quite a novel thing to do, and it took a degree of get up and go and entrepreneurship in order to work out of office. And that's less so these days, but it is still the case that your out-of-office workers are likely to be a bit more entrepreneurial than your in-office workers. In order to have made that happen, they're going to have to have shown a degree of entrepreneurial flair. So tap into that. You know, Find out what kinds of tools and techniques and ways of working have they developed in order to make out of office work for them there could be great things that you can you can learn from them uh, and extend to the rest of your team they can they can tell your team about some of the ways that they work to be really productive and also by virtue of the fact that they're working remotely, uh, they're going to be based in a different location, potentially in a different country with a different culture. They may well have a different social standing in their community compared with the people who are working around you in an office. Again, all, all this means that your out-of-office workers are going to have different values and different professional development needs. The really important thing is to know what it is that they want
1: yeah, and as you said, Chris, so first of all, know what they want, and second, tap into that. So take advantage of that their diversity to bring professional development to the rest of the team, because we're looking at not only helping those out-of-office workers get professional development, but what can they add to the rest of the team. So there are some some techniques that are being used at the moment. For example, reverse mentoring is an area that's growing. So that's the idea that the more experienced um, people in the organization are being mentored by the more junior people. And this is happening in organizations, even in office, where senior managers are being mentored in things like social media, Consumer behavior app development and um, not necessarily the development side of it but understanding technology uh, from their more junior team members and and that can happen with your out of office members as well as you said Chris they have access to tools and techniques and uh, uh, technology that the rest of the team might not be using so uh, find out what what that is and have some channel for them to be able to mentor you and the rest of the team Uh, and that leads on to the idea of the, the learner as being the teacher so the concept that whatever they learn they can then share with the rest of the team so this could be something that you're doing with all your team members but particularly out of office team members they might be learning things naturally that the rest of the team isn't learning naturally and therefore uh, by sharing that expertise and that that knowledge everybody everybody learns from that and the other thing you mentioned earlier, Chris, is that they might be living in a different country or uh, with a different culture. And if your organization is also working in that working in that country or that culture, um, not just because they've got people and team members there, then those out-of-office team members can provide local knowledge, which could be valuable if, the, if your organisation is looking at moving into a new market or perhaps looking at expanding their workforce, then the people you've already got there, like on the ground, so to speak, uh, can provide really useful uh, local intelligence. Indeed.
0: So, when it comes to professional development opportunities for your remote team members, proactively support opportunities for them. So, for instance, uh, encourage them to join professional organisations by offering to pay their membership dues or if they want to if you see a a useful course that they can attend um, give them the time and and support by offering to pay for the sign-up fees for that training course and the same goes for conferences or workshops they can either be online ones or ones that are local to them or even if they have to travel offer to pay foot the bill for the travel and accommodation expenses and if you're hosting them with your team at, at headquarters, let's say, then set aside some time where whilst they're in office with you to take part in some of the professional development opportunities that are normally offered in-house to your, um, to your um, on-site team when your, when your remote team members are visiting you, set aside the time and the finances if they're, they're required so that they can tap into some of those opportunities uh, when they're visiting you now these sort of things sound like the kinds of um, support that we mentioned back way back at the beginning at the tolerate level but here the difference is that back at the tolerate level it was up to the out-of-office worker to come with you cap in hand so to speak to ask for that kind of support here at the embrace level it's the other way around you're approaching them with opportunities and encouraging and offering support um, rather than them having to come to you for it
1: that's, that's great, Chris. So to wrap up, um, I reckon there are three things as a leader or manager to consider when you're thinking about professional development for your out-of-office workers. First of all, be sensitive. Be sensitive not only to the out-of-office worker and their needs, but also to the other people around them, which is the rest of the team and the rest of the organisation, so that you don't create conflict and resentment about treating your out-of-office workers differently with their professional development. The second thing is to be proactive, because uh, we've often said that out-of-office workers are kind of out of sight, out of mind, but for professional development in particular this can be quite dangerous or risky because it's easy to be neglected uh, with other things uh, often the out of office worker will stick up the hand and say hey remember me i'm sitting over here but uh, professional development they often just let it slide and you as a leader might just let it slide because you just didn't think about it uh, and the third thing is to be enlightened so do your best to move through those levels from tolerate to integrate to embrace and that's just not not just you but also champion this journey for your other team members and for the rest of the organisation as well.
0: Excellent. And look, something that we said several times that bears repeating, Gihan, is that when it comes to professional development, it's really important to understand the career goals and values that your team members have. So when it comes to your out-of-office workers and and all of your team members in general, actually, listen to them and observe them when they're working to find out what it is that they're enthusiastic about what are their interests and hobbies and pastimes and identify gaps in their experience and skills that professional opportunities professional development opportunities can help them to fill and ask them directly look find out by sitting down with them and finding out what ambitions they actually have what are their interests and what are their career goals and then finally, once, once you've listened to them and, and observed them and asked them that, those questions, make available professional development opportunities to them. Offer them different kinds of opportunities and challenge them with new types of role and new types of work that can help them work towards their professional development goals.
1: Yeah, great. Thank you, Chris. As usual, it's been a really interesting conversation. Um, If you're interested in finding out more about out-of-office work, you can find out, you can go to our our website uh, at outofofficebook.com. you can also buy our book, Out of Office. Um, But also, you can listen to all our past podcast episodes, and we have quite a lot about how to manage and lead distributed teams and out-of-office workers.
0: And if you've got any questions, if you want to get in touch with us, just please leave a
1: comment and we'll get back to you. Yep. Great. Thanks very much, Chris. Bye for now.
0: Thanks, Giham. Bye.
1: Visit our website at outofofficebook.com, where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast, and get our book, Out of Office. We wish you all the best in creating the word style of your choice.